You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe Podcast here on the Buffalo Rumblings family of podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined as I always am by my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie is joining us here as we are talking Buffalo Bills football. And, you know, we mentioned this last week. I don't want to be a liar. So we are going to follow through on what we promised you, our loyal Believe listeners. We are going to be talking trade deadline extravaganza, or maybe not, based on uh, Brandon Bean's history. We're going to break through and break down Brandon Bean's. I got some facts for you on previous trade deadlines. We're going to set the stage for what available assets the Bills might have, and then run through a couple of names that we either want the Bills to go after or maybe don't want the Bills to go after. But Jamie has promised me he has some strong thoughts on this topic. And on that note, let's bring in my better half, Jamie. Great to have you back, buddy. Hey buddy. Always good to be here. And I think I may have mentioned this to you before, but leading up to leading up to us podcasting, I walk around my house saying your last name to the melody of Macarena. (laughs) Have I I told you that before? You have, but, um, Every time you mention it, I enjoy the fact a little bit more. And I feel like now you have to give our audience a little sample. All right. Well, Bacasino, 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 John Bacasino. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Totally unrehearsed, as you can tell here on our beautiful, well thought out Billy podcast. Jamie, that was uh, that was nice, man. I I appreciate the fact that you're thinking about my Paisano self even before we record. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's stuck in my head like a um uh, i was gonna try to come up with an analogy but my brain it's soft and doesn't work well so i got nothing i think we're gonna blow uh your wife's mind by the way when this finally happens us meeting up uh for a bills game in a tailgate i think we need to look at the schedule and make this happen <laughs> sooner than later because she can finally be like now i know you're the guy that my husband's always singing about before he goes into the podcast. <laughs> I, and, you know, she also has her own Bacasino uh, impression. Oh, I know. I'd be like, this. I, I'm going, I'm going to be podcasting. She goes, Hey, there are bills fans. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. I mean, yeah. it, it's funny. The, the amount of people I get, it's not a lot, but I do get some people who are like, Hey, with the pod, do you guys record the intro? I go, no, man, it's just the same. There's no script that just whatever words come off my head to uh, to get us into the pod. That is how the sausage is made here on the Billy podcast. <laughs> the sausage. 
Anyway. <laughs> Man, can you tell we're in a fired up mood here? The Buffalo Bills for at least one week uh, look better on offense. Uh, they knocked off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24 to 18 in a way closer than it should have been game. And, you know, Jamie, I don't really want to rehash too much of what happened at the stadium Thursday night. All I will say is I am 42 years old. I've had season tickets since 2007. Never has there been a home game the last week in October where shades and sunglasses and 70 degrees accompany our tailgate and uh, football experience. It was glorious. Well, you deserve that, my friend. With all the time that you've put in in inclement weather and getting there during the whole COVID experience and yelling your butt off out there, you had this coming, my friend. But of course, you know, the universe is unforgiving. So uh, they say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. So expect that you will be on the other end of the spectrum by late in the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get some snow games, I'm sure. I mean, but it it was weird because the weather was almost nicer than like it was definitely nicer than last year's home opener versus Pittsburgh. I mean, it was just one of those things where you, you pull into the lot and you're like, this is just a heaven sent day from the Western New York uh, football gods. And uh, thankfully, the Bills were able to follow through and uh, and bring out the, the win to get to five and three. And again, I'm not going to belabor the point. Um, if you want to hear people breaking down, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly from the Bucks game, we're not going to do that this week. I don't really think it's timely with the game having played on Thursday. I will say the Dalton Kincaid breakout was awesome. Mm -hmm. The Khalil Shakir breakout was much needed. And maybe Jamie, this might be a good segue into our podcast because we're going to talk about, and we want your thoughts too on the trade deadline. It's 4 PM Eastern on Tuesday. So by the time you've heard this podcast, the bills will have had a couple of days to get their ducks in a row for what they want to do at the deadline. But let's start with this. The Bills are in a little bit of a rough shape when it comes to finances. They did restructure Deion Dawkins' contract, which freed up around four. It was $3.9 million to be precise. The Bills have around $5.3 million to operate with moving forward. And if you want to learn how the Bills could free up even more money on contract restructures, Matt Warren, our former editor-in-chief, did a nice little piece on Buffalo Rumblings that offers up a couple of areas where Bean can free up a couple hundred thousand here, a couple hundred thousand there. But the truth of the matter is the bills are tight against the cap mm -hmm. as they have been all year. <laughs> the number one position I have seen people clamoring for wide receiver. Do you think the performance of Buffalo's supporting cast on Thursday did enough to take that off of the needs list? I don't think it did. I, I will say that I don't, I don't think it's the Bills' top need, but it's, it's still there because, to me, Gabe Davis is a number three, and you really need to have somebody who is more adept at getting open. Now, he did it in one game, but if you take a look at his body of work, he puts up some numbers, but he puts up numbers because the Bills throw the ball a lot. He is not reliable when it comes to getting open, and also catching the ball in big spots. He'll have his big games where he, you know, he'll catch a 50-yarder here and there. Good deep ball guy, um, but 
I, I don't think he's the guy that you can rely on on third and six to to move the chains. And that's something that I'm I'm looking for. Uh, there, If there's an Emmanuel Sanders type out there, the offense needs it. There's definitely um, a bunch of wide receivers who are available. We'll go through and give you some of our thoughts. I want to say, Jamie, before I, I turn the corner on that, I do feel like it was only one game, but I was very happy in what Buffalo's receivers put forth. And it was an mm-hmm. incredibly efficient performance from the offense in general. There were no drops on any of the throws from Josh Allen. His receivers hauled in everything that was in their vicinity. Thought it was a very solid performance. But the Bills also finally did a great job with yards after the catch mm-hmm. uh, on the plays that Josh put out there for this offense. And that's why, like, People are saying, oh, well, don't call this a get-right game. The offense only scored 24 points. Well, the Bills left a ton of points on the field. But when I say they had a get-right game, I feel like the offense established the rhythm that they need to. And if Khalil Shakir, man, I was high on him last year, and he was kind of like a forgotten weapon. He was really leading the charge on the run after the catch. Him and Dalton Kincaid had phenomenal uh, runs after the catch performances the bills had 150 total yards after the catch against the buccaneers you know who was number one on that list who gabe davis how about that and that's why i think he might have i don't know i think he caught nine for 89 i mean it wasn't like a a deep ball threat they used davis on a lot of those like short and intermediate routes and i just thought it was really impressive to see the way the bills were able to um to really put together some yards after the catch. So you're saying, Jamie, that wide receiver is not your number one target. It's not your number one need. I'm with you. I don't think it's number one either. I think it's like third or fourth at best, but I Mm -hmm. feel like, man, if the bills are going to make a deal, it's got to be to address the defense right now. And that that's what I would think because coming into this game against the bucks, for the previous three weeks, I think it was, uh, the Bills' defensive efficiency was about, uh, I, I think it was 28th in the NFL over that three-week span. And there isn't a lot of reinforcement available within the roster. It's very difficult to come back from the number of injuries that they've had and the quality of the players that were injured. I mean, keep in mind, Daquan Jones was leading all defensive tackles in pass rush efficiency and also was one of the most double-teamed defensive tackles in the NFL. That is something that you just can't live without. And when you look at the performance of the players that have been there outside of Ed Oliver – You have Jordan Phillips, who has the second worst tackling rate amongst defensive linemen in the NFL. Second worst. You know who the worst is? Tim Tim Settle. Settle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How bad is that for a one-two punch uh, for for Buffalo? And it really goes to show how snake-bitten this defense was. Again, losing Daquan Jones and Matt Milano, the all-pro middle linebacker, and also losing Trey White you know, for, for the year, we don't know necessarily about, it's been so weird, the vagueness around Jones and Milano's injuries. We know, or we've been told that they both had surgery. Milano is supposedly in the building, but McDermott and Bean have not actually said whether they're season ending injuries or not. So there's a lot of suspense around the status of those two key cogs. The unfortunate part, Jamie, about this trade deadline special here on Bill leave is 
you know, un, un, just like every other year prior, the players who can be had are historically offensive players. Defensive options are fewer uh, to select from, and they're going to cost you more. Um, mm-hmm. But the Bills do have a nice uh, stash of draft picks if they want to go in and, and tap into it, tap into their reserves. The Bills will have eight next year. They have one in each of the rounds. They have two in the sixth. And the word is the Bills will get a third round compensatory pick for losing Tremaine Edmonds, which would mm-hmm. give them nine picks total to deal with. Now, that's a nice little stable to choose from. And I'm of the school of thought that the Bills, this, I'm tired of this whole talk about, you know, the window is it open? Is it closed? Right now, where we stand, Bean, I think, needs to do whatever he can without mortgaging the future entirely, like deal some day two picks, deal some day three picks, shore up this roster. And that's why I'll start this whole conversation with Jamie. I don't see Brandon Bean making a blockbuster trade. No. I do not see Brandon Bean making the blockbuster trade. And I would like to address that because here's something on which I've got feelings. Okay. Oh, buddy. Dr. Boccasino is in. Tell me your feelings on this topic. Okay. Well, the Bills are not trading for Patrick Sertan Jr. Okay. I have heard that name come up repeatedly. And I'm not going to name names, but when I was watching the game on Thursday night with my uh, with my crew, the D.C. Bills backers. One gentleman said, hey, he's only owed another $900,000. If you're Brandon Bean, you got to go get that guy. And who would you trade right now? He asked me. I said, well, and then he goes, A.J. Epinesa. Guy's having a great year. They need a defensive end. So Epinesa and a fourth-round pick. Who says no to that deal? I'm like, um, the Broncos? So, okay. <laughs> Everybody who's been talking about Patrick Sertan Jr., and I'm not naming any names that are hosting this podcast. Mind oh, I, I know, buddy. I was going to say, I, I mentioned him as a, a wish list pipe dream, but it would really probably take, I mean, look, I'm just going to throw this out there, and I don't think the Broncos would do it even for this. It would probably take a one, a two, and a five, or a one- a two and a six. I mean, the Broncos are going to want at least a first round pick and several other assets for Sertan. And that's why it's not going to happen. And he is on his rookie deal. He has two years left of team control and he's a great young corner. This is a building block player that, I mean, they desperately need good players on that team. You don't, when you're in their position you don't trade away your best young player for future draft picks because you hit on this guy at the end of the first round you keep him and you build around him he's not going anywhere and dude i gotta tell you because he's so cheap right now if you look at the jalen ramsey deal to uh to the rams he was already on a second contract at that point or de- demanding of uh, a new contract when he got to the Rams. That's not the case here with uh, with this guy. He's being paid peanuts for the type of production that he's got. Teams hold on to those guys. Yeah, you would have to mortgage the farm to land him. And I, I'm Absolutely. not advocating you know, for that at all. I mean, he's a talented player, but the Bills would be wiser spent, I think, making some smaller trades. And there are some players 
to be had out there. I did mention Jamie the history. I want to give some context uh, as well to you know Brandon Bean. We we've all called him you know big baller Bean and somebody who's known for wheeling and dealing out there. And he does have this reputation of being a frequent trader, um, but he has not made as many trade deadline deals as you might think. He's honestly, he's made four trades total, two of them in his first year and two of them last year. That meant in 18, 19, 20, and 21, Brandon Bean stood pat at the trade deadline. And I'll give you the real quick summary of Brandon Bean's trading history as Buffalo's GM. His first year on the job, he traded away the boat captain known as Marcel Darius to the Jacksonville Mm. Jaguars. And then he acquired uh, Kelvin Benjamin from Carolina right before the deadline. Uh, The Darius deal was nice. The Benjamin deal was awful. So one and one on those. Then last year was the only other time Brandon Bean has made a move at the deadline. He acquired Naheem Hines from the Indianapolis Colts for running back Zach Moss and a conditional sixth round pick. And then he added to his safety well by reuniting with Dean Marlowe from the Falcons for a seventh rounder. That is it. That is the entirety of Brandon Bean's moves at the trade deadline. So I think you can read between the tea leaves and maybe Bean is more anxious about shoring up those roster holes, which is why he made the two deals last year. I see Brandon Bean making a couple of small moves. And again, it's all on the defensive side of the ball. So Jamie, let's start with this when it comes to specifics. We've already gone through. Patrick Sertan is not going to be dealt for uh, by Brandon Bean, no matter how much you wish it, no matter how much you rub the magic genie lamp and hope that this deal comes to fruition. If you're Brandon Bean, what is the number one thing, player, position? What are you going after? Defensive tackle. And I'm going after a one technique specifically because that to me is going to have the biggest trickle down effect on the rest of the roster. I think that's a really valid point, especially with Daquan Jones again being out, you know, for we think for the rest of the year. And it's definitely a big blow uh, for this team and for the strength of the run defense. Who's your one tech? Do you have somebody in mind? I do have somebody in mind, as a matter of fact. And though I said that it wasn't going to happen um, with Patrick Sertan, I am going back to the Broncos. And they have a guy named Mike Purcell. Do you know Mike Purcell? I do. He was actually one of the guys I was, um, I had been researching a little bit because he's, he's pretty versatile. Um, the fact that, you know, he isn't he more of a, a three tech guy? Well, he's he can play both, but he's a guy who can be had for very little, who I think is more stout at the point of attack than than like a Tim Settle or especially um, Jordan. uh, What's his name? Phillips. Jordan Phillips gets pushed all over the place. Purcell is less likely to get pushed around. And, you know, like I said, he's kind of a. He's kind of a nose tackle who can shift over. He's not the pure one technique, but I, I don't know how many of those you can actually get your hands on. Um, yeah. I I don't know that um, that the Broncos would even demand much for him because he's also on an expiring contract. Yep, and he's he's playing a lot of uh, snaps for Denver's defense, thirty six percent. He's really good at the point of attack. He's really good at winning his matchups when it comes to taking on offensive linemen. 
he's pretty proficient at shedding those blocks and uh the bills really i feel like that's a good area to attack the defensive tackle position because again what what are the two problems with buffalo's defense it's run defense which starts up front and then it's clearing the traffic for the linebackers and mcdermott has made it very well known he is not pleased with the quality of play of the linebackers now you can take umbrage with the fact as i do i think dorian williams should be playing nine out of ten snaps compared to tyrell dodson i don't want tyrell dodson on the field i'd rather risk it with this is like the ramon humber matt milano debate from 2017 (laughs) when humber played above his skis with his talent level and they kept Milano on the bench a little bit longer behind the veteran. The case is not the same for Dodson here, who was not playing well at all. And Williams has shown a higher ceiling um, for his play at linebacker. Now, so what I'm proposing, has, but I do want to jump in and say he has definitely been in the wrong place at the wrong time. I, I think he's, not getting his assignments correct. And that is never going to work out in a, in a Sean McDermott defense. Correct. Yeah. That is definitely not a a valuable trait you want from your linebacker. So because the bills can't count on Dorian Williams to consistently play yet, he's making your typical rookie mistakes. And Tyrell Dodson is just not someone who is proven to deserve a spot on the playing field. I think the bills need to go after both a linebacker and a defensive tackle and your guy, Mike Purcell that you mentioned pairs very well with, I've been doing a lot of reading on potential trade targets and guys who could be had. And in five different outlets, I have read about a linebacker from the Broncos, Josie jewel, who could really come in and be a nice pairing. And maybe the bills work a twofer where they get jewel and Purcell away from uh, Denver um, Josie Jewell is 29 years old. He's also on an expiring contract. He'd be a rental for the rest of the year. But what I like about Josie is he is very much like a poor man's Milano in the fact that he plays traffic cop. He quarterbacks the defense in the middle linebacker position. He's got a very good tackling ability. Uh, and he's someone who is just a really proven veteran out there. He's not a household name. Bills fans aren't really going to know about who this guy is. But he's underrated. He is not having a a fantastic year in a new system in Denver's defense. So he's probably going to be on the chopping block. And the fact is, this guy is a tackling machine who's really good in coverage. He was ranked as the 19th best cover linebacker. And I think he's someone who could be had at a very reasonable price. Maybe the Bills work out a twofer with uh, Josie Jewell and Purcell. I, I I think you could do that for... Oh, I don't know, a fourth or maybe a fifth and seventh, something like that. I I don't think that the Broncos would be asking for too much. Now, there is one issue that I do want to point to when it comes to the Buffalo Bills defense, which is that their coverage schemes are very complex. So it may be asking an awful lot of a player on the second level or even the third level, especially the third level of the defense to expect them to come in, not know the system and be able to perform well. And, you know, we've seen two things when it comes to any defensive player. Do you know the scheme and can you make plays? Well, if you don't know the scheme very well, you end up in your head and that causes you to, 
hesitate a little bit to to think instead of reacting and that makes you a step or two late on on a variety of plays and that's something that you really have to consider because when you look at who the bills have brought in on the back end of the defense last year dean marlowe this year um uh oh god what's his name uh the dude who got lifted and thrown uh, oh josh norman thank you josh norman josh yeah. norman knows the defense so did dean marlowe how, how do i remember dean marlowe instead of josh norman's name that's ridiculous I think a lot of Bills fans have blacked out the Josh Norman era, mostly because of that Derrick Henry stiff arm and, you know, just being pretty inadequate. He did make two nice special teams tackles against the Bucks, Jamie. Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was Derrick Henry, not uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know. And and Jamie, I get what you're saying with the complexities. And, you know, um, Josie Jewell is one of those guys who I feel like could, though, pick up um, the line, mm-hmm. the situational plays and the schemes based on what Denver's defense was operating with last year, uh, not with the Vance Joseph schemes uh, that, of course, the Broncos are also giving up a boatload of points. So maybe they want to move on from these veterans who are on expiring contracts. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I do want to piggyback because you mentioned the bills going to the familiar when it comes to draft uh, the trade deadline deals. I've got two more names for you. One I would love to see come back to Buffalo. The other I think could definitely help um, if they're willing to give up uh, on the current season. What about Harrison Phillips? What about bringing Harry back from the Vikings? I know he's currently starting for this team and they did, I uh, have a big win over the 49ers, but let's be real. The Vikings aren't going anywhere. I don't think they're a, a playoff bound team in the NFC. He knows McDermott's defense. He would clearly be able to step up and fill a lot of the shoes, at least in the run stuffing game that Daquan Jones brought to the team. And he's only owed 
around 2 million the rest of the season. What do you think about bringing back Horrible Harry? I love that idea. He was a very popular player in Buffalo and beloved in the locker room. He's the kind of guy who you're better because he's in your locker room. You know, he's he's in your presence. And the guy was a pretty good player. He has not performed on the same level with the Vikings that he did in his final year with the Buffalo Bills. But we have seen, when it comes to defensive linemen, many of them seem to be the best versions of themselves when they're playing for Sean McDermott. Uh, I'm looking at you, Jordan Phillips. I'm looking at you, Shaq Lawson. So perhaps this is a reunion that needs to happen for everyone. Yes, yeah, sign me up for Harrison Phillips coming back to the Bills. The more I think about it, he flourishes in McDermott's defense. And exactly what the Bills are missing is what Harrison Phillips gives them up the middle. So if the Bills find a way to bring back Harrison Phillips to plug a hole at the defensive tackle spot, I still think they need a linebacker badly. I like Josie Jewell from the Broncos, like I mentioned. They could also be targeting Jordan Hicks from the Vikings or possibly a Robert Spillane type from the Raiders who are linebackers mm -hmm. that would play well in Buffalo system. Those are a couple of the names I think would make a lot of sense, you know, for Buffalo to go with the, regards to the D line and the linebackers. But you mm -hmm. mentioned him. We got to talk about the secondary too, because it's troubling that the bills opted to have Josh Norman on the active 53 man roster with no training camp, basically being elevated off the practice squad, very little experience this year in favor of keeping Kair Elam, the former first rounder mm -hmm. on the bench. Let's talk about this for a little bit. Do you think he has very little trade value, but here's the point with Kair Elam. Do you think he gets dealt? Because I think he does only in regards to this fact right here. Teams and coaches in the NFL, it's a lot like dating. If you see someone who's a talent, if you see someone who has the physical skills, and again, Kair Elam was highly rated coming out of Florida as a phenomenal uh, quarterback who, again, was drafted by the Bills in the first round. These NFL teams are so arrogant. Somebody's out there probably thinking, you know what? He wasn't right for Buffalo, but he's right for me. I can fix what's going on with Kair Elam. What do you think? I guess it comes down to when you want to cut your losses and whether or not you think that you can get something out of him. To me, a huge issue that he has is confidence. Whatever it is yeah. that's coming from the coaching, the confidence just isn't there. And the other thing is he was kind of a square peg going into a round hole. He was a press man coverage guy coming out of college, and he's now in his own heavy scheme. This is the exact same reason that Jordan, uh, God, I, I'm doing it again. Phillips? Josh Norman. Sorry. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> yeah. The reason he didn't work out in Washington is he's a zone guy, and they played man-to-man -man defense. He looked terrible. He still looks terrible when he tries to line up man-to-man. -man. Just throwing it out there. We haven't seen it, but last time we saw him in man-to-man -man coverage, it was ugly. So asking somebody to do something that they are not familiar with is a lot. So the question here is, can he learn how to play his own coverage and become confident? Or is he just going to be a man-to-man -man guy going forward? Well, his man-to-man -man hasn't been that impressive either in Buffalo. Do you just throw in the towel and say, you know what? 
he needs a change of scenery, he could still be good. If that's the case, how much could you get for him? So, I, yeah, I don't know how high uh, the return would be for trading a former first round pick. But again, just based on the fact that, you know, he he can do well, I still feel like in the right scenario, he is burned out and the Bills have given him chance after chance, uh, especially this year when he looked awful against Jacksonville and awful against the will be gone Giants receivers out there. But there's still value to be had for a guy who's on a manageable rookie contract who had, again, good talent at a major division one school where he was a very solid uh, press man cover corner uh, at Florida. What I think they would have happen, Jamie is you would have to maybe give up another draft pick. So maybe it's Elam and a fifth or a sixth to go out there and get a corner. And the guys, I think Jamie, there's some good corners out there that could be had if the bills do want to make a, a trade on this one. And I'm going to trumpet the, the charge for Jalen Johnson of the bears. Um, I'd say either, honestly, my top two targets at cornerback, I do think the Bills should bring in another corner. Jalen Johnson to me or Dante Jackson with the Carolina Panthers, shocker, I think are two of the leading candidates who could come in and, and maybe do a pairing up there to make a deal work. And Johnson, what I like about him is he's athletic, he's fast, he's good at going to the high point of the ball, and he's a really solid boundary outside corner. So he's, to me, somebody who, if you pair a deal up, I'm not saying Elam has to be involved in a Jalen Johnson deal, but if he was, you're going to give up less in return on the draft pick side, and maybe you get something back in return along with Johnson. Hmm, I think I'd like that. But if you draft a guy, or draft, if you trade for a guy like Johnson, how soon until he becomes a contributor? Well, he's how a long does he have to sit there and learn? So he, he, I know, I know nothing matches what Buffalo's defense does, but he does fit really well. Jalen Johnson does with what Buffalo's defense tries to do when it runs its zone heavy schemes. Uh, he's got a lot of upside he's played and he has familiarity. I mean, the bills know who Jalen Johnson is. They've entertained, you know, they've been aware of him. Uh, they know his skills up there. He's somebody who could um, be a benefit to come in. I don't think it would take all that big of a learning curve, but if you really want to go for scheme fits, Dante Jackson might be the mm -hmm. better one because the bills held a pre-draft visit with him in 2018. And that meant that they tried him out in some of the schemes that McDermott runs. So maybe he's someone you consider at that outside corner help. And that's another team that is going absolutely nowhere. And probably like, like the uh, bears needs to fill that war chest when it comes to draft picks. So those would both be great ideas. Yeah, I agree. I think Jalen Johnson or Dante Jackson could definitely be some uh, some intriguing names to watch as Tuesday's 4 p.m. trade deadline comes around. Jamie, last question on the defensive side of things. I mentioned horrible Harry coming back. Do you think there's any chance the Bills kick the tire on Levi Wallace, who's having a down year in Pittsburgh and uh, might be able to be had for not that much of a cost? I think it's very likely that the Bills would see what's going on with him. And I don't know, is Marlon Kerner still in the league? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Nate Odoms, I think, has a couple of years. He wants to still go out there and play for the Bills. Maybe they can <laughs> kick the tires on him, too. <laughs> yeah, Levi Wallace, I, I mean, what you're getting there is Dane Jackson, uh, a Dane Jackson clone. He's going to be where he's supposed to be. He's not going to be spectacular. And he's going to be a sure tackler.
those aren't bad things to covet for the defense, but you're right. The ceiling is a lot lower with those guys. That's why I feel like a Dante Jackson or a Jalen Johnson is a better fit uh, for Buffalo's defense to make a move. And, you know, Jamie, I'd be remiss if we didn't wrap up this podcast talking about something I mentioned earlier. Last thoughts on this. The name I have seen more than any other from Bills fans that want help at the deadline is DeAndre Hopkins. I'm done with mm-hmm. this guy. I want nothing to do with him coming to Buffalo. What are your thoughts? Because everyone's like, oh, well, he's not owed that much money. It's only a mil and a quarter, and the Bills need more help at receiver. So what would you do if you're Brandon Bean? Do you go after a guy like a D-Hop? Or if you're me, I like Adam Thielen with the Panthers. Again, going back to the Carolina well, I think he'd be a better fit um, and has played with Diggs before, can coexist with Diggs before. I don't know. There's some opportunities there if you really want to you know, go for that third or fourth positional need and shore up wide receiver. Well, I, I think that when you look at DeAndre Hopkins, who is not the player that he used to be, that can we agree on that? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, okay. dude, he is struggling big time. In, and uh, granted, you know, the Titans offense is, is terrible and will be gone, but he is barely, he's got 27 catches for 376, no touchdowns. The Titans are clearly in cell mode uh, moving forward. So, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't want DeAndre Hopkins. I, I'm one of those guys where it's like, look, we flirted with you twice and you basically said no twice. So we're done with you. The thing with him is that the the positional fit isn't quite there because he would be a boundary receiver basically playing the same position as Gabe Davis. If you're looking at a receiver, one who is likely to be moved, I would probably prefer, well, I know I would prefer Hunter Renfro, a guy who can play in the slot and has a history of production until you know he ended up with his current head coach who is known for ruining careers. <laughs> Josh McDaniels, wide receiver ruiner. And yeah. the, the the Raiders did try to deal Renfro last year at the deadline and was not able to do it. Now he is owed a boatload of money. So the Raiders would have to eat some of that. Maybe the They'd Bills throw in a draft pick to soften the blow there, too. Yeah. Yeah. I it's he's he's making way too much money right now for to go as is, but Obviously, he and the Raiders are going to part ways before the trade deadline. And, you know, that's that's something that I'm wondering if Bean can work out because he's also a guy who I think can contribute beyond just this year. You know, that's that, that's also something that I would consider when I'm looking at who to who to go after. Now, one other player. Have you heard the Derrick Henry rumors? Yes, and I want to punch myself in the face every time I hear them. Yeah, me too, because running back is not an issue. Like r- running back, it, it look, they've got James Cook, who's averaging five yards a carry. Latavius Murray is having himself a good year. And I understand that you probably want to add another running back because of the injury to Damian Harris. However, why would you give up? Why would you give up assets for a guy who's on the downside of his career who probably would end up being not much more than a short yardage back? He's not much of a receiver. Yes, he's a better blocker than James Cook, but who isn't? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, we were actually driving to the game on Thursday and that 
there was a, a, a tweet or a post that was put out that was amplified by somebody purporting to be an expert. And they were like, who says no to this deal? Derek Henry to the bills for Latavius Murray, a second and a fourth. And I'm like, I say no 10 times out of 10. That's highway yes. robbery. Even if it were straight up, I wouldn't do at this point of their careers because the bills don't need the running back help. I'm with you. Like that's why people who are outside the national media are always like linking any big time running back to Buffalo. Hello, James Cook is having a really nice year for himself. Mm -hmm. And I think Latavius Murray's having a good solid year too. Uh, Latavius Murray has been a revelation for these bills. I mean, he was a guy who has become a, a journeyman backup, but he's doing what he's asked to do very well, which is run between the tackles, catch an occasional pass. And the running back carries, I mean, they're being split surprisingly evenly, which shows you what the coaching staff thinks of Murray. Yeah, they value his blocking and they value his ability to get those hard yards, hard running yards out there. There's a reason he's on the team and the Bills also feel comfortable with speedster uh, Ty Johnson, you know, coming off and being the, the third running back when they need him to. So it's really, I don't think it's a fit at all. And uh, let's hope the Bills don't address the running back uh, on Tuesday before the trade deadline. Before you sign off, though, there is something I want to say. And oh, this, is, this is going to surprise you. Unless you can get a defensive tackle, my most desired trade is no trade at all. Okay, fair. So you would rather stand pat if you can't. So if you could get a good linebacker, if you could get a good boundary corner, you're still saying no and you want the D tackle? I'm saying no. I'm, I'm saying no to those things because you are missing too many players this year on defense to be a threat in the long term. I think you keep your assets. You see where it can take you next year. I'm already playing for next year, man. Oh, man, I hate to hear that. But I get your point. I mean, I do because the Bills do feel like they're snake bitten with uh, Jones, Milano and White missing on defense Ed Oliver's battling the turf monster. Uh, Von Miller needs to get back into high gear. The defense is kind of banged up, but that's where if it's for me, you know, look, I'm done waiting for next year. Like I, I think the offense as constituted still has a really high ceiling and uh, potential. And if they could just get a couple of plug and plays on defense, maybe Daquan Jones and Milano come back for the playoff run. I don't know. Micah Hyde almost came back and played if the bills had won against Cincinnati last year, the r rumor was he was ready to go for the AFC championship game. I don't want to write off any season uh, during Josh Allen's peak. That's why I'm happy mm -hmm. to go push my chips in, not all in, but to make some moderate moves. Got it. But that's my thought. And Jamie's giving you his thoughts here as well on bill leave. We want to hear from you. Bills fans get involved on Twitter. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico and I am at John Boccasino. Jamie, always a pleasure, buddy, buddy. I wouldn't, have enjoyed my Saturday morning nearly as much without you. Same, same. It's always good to chop up the bills and chop up some trade deadline talk here. Again, please get involved with us on social. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bill Leave Podcast. Go Bills! More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. 
Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.